0: Welcome to Curious and Candid Conversations with Those in Pursuit of More. Today's guest is Karen Plummer. Karen, welcome to the podcast. Hey, welcome. Thank you for having me. <laughs> you're you're very welcome, Karen. Um I'm really looking forward to uh just uh getting into your story and kind of learning more about you and then sharing that with the world so to speak, uh at least uh with the people that tune into the to the podcast, but um before we kind of dive Really deep into your story, Karen, I kind of got four questions I like to ask uh, all of my guests just to kind of get the conversational ball rolling, so to speak. So the first question I have for you is, how do you start your day? Do you have any specific routine or ritual that you like to stick to on most mornings?
1: Yeah, most mornings, I like to wake up uh, at least 30 to one hour before I have to be anywhere, mostly so that I have the opportunity to uh, express a little bit of gratitude for being able to wake up that day. So if it's in prayer, fine. Um, If it is in meditation, fine. Um, I kind of go between the two because I feel like they're both very meditative in nature. Uh, And then it's, right to uh, brushing the teeth, getting the pre-workout going. And I always hit the gym first thing in the morning. So I'm a morning worker outer, if you will, kind of helps me ground into my day. And then, uh, you know, take on, take on whatever comes next. I try to stay off my work email and um, stay off Instagram is the first thing that I do in the day, just because I want to make sure that I'm grounding myself before I am exposed to whatever else might be coming my way later on in the day. Um, so it's, it's been working really well. I also love a really big glass of water in the morning because that's the best way to kind of get your body fleshed out and ready to go to take on the day.
0: Cool. Okay. Now I want to ask you about kind of like the, the gratitude, whether that's uh, through meditation, like you said, or prayer, um, yeah. how long have you kind of been, uh, we'll just use the terminology practicing this gratitude, like right away in the morning. Um, was there kind of like a, a situation or a circumstance in your life that kind of, uh, uh, you know, maybe pushed you in that direction or motivated you, I guess, so to speak, to start practicing that gratitude first thing in the morning?
1: Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, I actually have unfortunately experienced a lot of loss in my life. Um, I lost my brother about eight years ago to a heroin overdose. And I think that was the first realization that I had that, Um, life is really hard, right? Life can come at you very fast. And if you don't take time to express gratitude or acknowledge that tomorrow was never promised, um, you know, then you're kind of missing out on the fact that you got to wake up today. And there are people that are not. Uh, So I try to start my day with gratitude, you know, one or two things. uh, And then I end my day with Gratitude as well. So it's it's a morning and night thing. Um, because no matter what the day will have given to you or what the day may hold, like again, tomorrow is never promised. So having the opportunity to really uh, be grateful for just waking up with air in your lungs is uh is the first way to kind of get your foot started, I guess, on the right, the right direction. Um, but yeah, I was definitely after my brother had passed and after I had time to kind of acknowledge that he was gone and um you know, acknowledge that I had a lot of support at the time. And so it just was one of those things that I I kind of started holding on to about this idea of just being grateful that I I am here still.
0: And so with the gratitude, uh, is this something that you speak? Uh, do you like kind of write in a journal? Do you do you write and kind of speak it? How, how does it look in the the practical sense, I guess?
1: Yeah, I think when I first started, the best way to hold me accountable was to write it down, right? Um, At least one thing in the morning. And then I really gravitated towards at least three things at night. Um now my practice has kind of like evolved. It's more of just an expression of gratitude when I wake up in the morning. It's more internal than it is external. And then I will like write things down um throughout my day uh, as they're coming along. I actually now maintain a little box that I started at the beginning of this year just cuz I think that there's something about coming back to it and wanting to open it or just seeing the expressions of gratitude in like a very physical form and an exposed form. So it's a clear box that I now am writing down, you know, things that come to me in my day and folding up the piece of paper and popping it in the box. So it's kind of this nice full feeling that you get to have when you look at the space itself. Um, But for me, it's been kind of this ongoing, uh, you know, evolution change. It's really whatever I feel like I need in my space at the time, the morning, because some of it does come from meditation as well. It's more of just a quiet, internalized, um, internalized concept.
0: Mm. Cool. Love that. Okay. Now for the next question, uh, Karen, if there's more than one, please feel free to share. I don't want to ever limit uh, somebody to to just one. If there's more, but <laughs> you have, uh, like an all time favorite book or, or maybe a book that's been really impactful in your life. Uh, mm-hmm. and it can be something from way in, in the past, or maybe it's just something recent. However, you kind of want to take that.
1: Yeah, so I think if you had asked me this book, or this book question, uh, years and years ago, I would have said Victor Hugo Lemiz. like it was just one of those books that I was thinking I was so proud that I actually read it, because it was so thick. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's a fat one. Um, but I, I shifted my my reading, my reading tends to lean a little bit more towards um, self-reflection and self-help and uh, just the opportunity to kind of continue to learn about myself. So growth mindset. And I think the book that I always come back to when having this conversation with people or the one book that I tend to recommend to others is Jay Shetty's uh, Think Like a Monk. Mm -hmm. Um, I love that book. I think it had such an impact on my life and by kind of reminding me of the places where I can find stillness, the places that I can change the way that I think or approach um, the problems that come up in our lives. Um, And it's just been one of those, one of those books that was an easy read, but also something that uh, I think translated well to my experiences with yoga and Sanskrit and um, some of the more historic teachings that come from yoga. Uh, So it was just a nice blend um, of, you know, sort of a lifestyle I was living, as well as uh, a constant encouragement to take our you know normal lives as they are, um, overstimulated, and all those good things, and kind of quiet things down. Um, and you know, I, I I think that book is something that anybody can kind of like pick up and read and and take something away from it.
0: Hmm. Excellent. Okay. Have you read it? <laughs> uh, no, I haven't. But I actually just listened to uh a Jay Shetty podcast um I'm trying mm-hmm. to think who the guest was uh I I listen to a lot of podcasts because I'm I'm a, I'm a, yeah, pod- I feel, a yeah. junkie but I've listened to J- I haven't read his book but I have listened to some of his podcasts and I just listened to one recently I can't remember who the guest was um but he seems like a pretty uh enlightening individual huh
1: yeah 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 I think that he he takes a- an approach at enlightenment through the, the modern lens, which I think is really, really important to kind of demystify some of the concepts that can come from, you know, ancient monk teachings and so forth, so.
0: Mm, cool. Okay, now uh, this next question is, uh, again, it can be kind of, I have it um, kind of phrase over the last year, but obviously it can be over the last couple of years or the last month, however, again, mm-hmm. you want to take it, Karen, but um, what uh, life lesson have you been taught or have you learned? over the past year?
1: Yeah. um, You know, I mentioned I've experienced a lot of loss. I lost my dad um, to COVID at the end of 2021. um, Or sorry, 2022, Mm -hmm. 2021, 2021. Um, And this last year had been basically, uh, you know, me kind of going through a really dark period at the beginning of the year. really dark, (laughs) not great. Suicidal thoughts, um, really challenging my like internal peace, right. That my dad was my best friend. Um, so losing him was really, really challenging. Um, and so for this last year, 2022 specifically, It was really about overcoming that, reconnecting to therapy, um, giving myself an opportunity to find purpose. Um, I think that that's been something that I have uh, really, really been grateful for. I think we all kind of find our purpose in our own ways. Um, For me, it was having lost my dad and and really um, feeling grounded in what I believe my purpose is in life and and being in the service of others and, and creating community. Um, but I think what this last year has kind of taught me is just to be really gentle with myself, um, and, and give myself grace, you know, as much as I want to show up for other people, you have to show up for yourself first, because if you don't, you won't be there to show up for others. Um, so this last year has been, um, rewarding in that way. Cause I, I see myself kind of, uh, having grown a lot. Um, but it's also been, uh, you know, challenging in its own way too, cause that's not an easy thing to do for, for some people.
0: Hmm. Okay. Now, uh, I'm assuming. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm assuming just from kind of a little bit of what you're you're sharing, uh, you you're a, like a, a type A personality. Is that fair to say, or or not? I think so.
1: I think I I have been um, a type A personality. For most of my life, <laughs> I uh, I tend to try to stay away from those kind of labels, right? Like type A, I'm introvert, extrovert, all of these things. I think we get so bogged down as a society of like boxing people into things that maybe are part of their personalities. And the reality is, a lot of us are a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I think maybe if we wanna, if we wanna label me, I'm a little bit type A. So.
0: And 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 I I uh, respect and completely understand uh, what you're saying there. I just uh, I just want. I was just trying to gather that from you because I want to. I want to yeah. talk a little bit more about, and we're going to get deeper into your story here down the road. But we're we're kind of already at a point where I want to uh, talk a little bit about more uh, in regards to kind of like um, finding this inner peace and and kind of going inward and and the stillness, like because obviously through the first three questions, that's what anybody that's yeah. listening to this uh, conversation right now, that's what they're gathering from you is this kind of like going inward and and more stillness and the gratitude and just purpose and all these things and this stuff for me personally and i think uh collectively as human beings especially in our culture where it's instant gratification it's all about uh you know a lot of times it's all about me and it's all about uh, how fast can i get it done how hard can i go all of this stuff right like even me talking about this verbally right now or verbalizing this right now, like it, it, it kind of creates, I don't want to say like anxiousness within me because I'm very type yeah. A, but just this terminology, right. Kind of like starts to stir me inside. So yeah, what I want to kind of get at, uh, you know, just right now, since we're already there, like talk about more in depth about going inward for yourself and like maybe how you've been, type a or very focused and driven in the past and how you are trying to maybe go a little bit more again, inward and finding that inner stillness and peace and, and calm and all those things. Will you just kind of expound mm-hmm. on that, Karen for a little bit, please? Yeah,
1: hundred percent. I mean, I, I think, As a human being, I'm somebody in anybody that knows me that may be listening to this will tell you, I don't stop, right? I keep going. Like I'm a, I'm a, from the morning, I, from the moment I wake up in the morning to um, when I go to bed at night, you know, I'm taking advantage of every bit of my day. Um, I think it's something where I feel like, again, I don't want to waste a moment. So there's a lot of what comes from this is like, how do I make sure that I fill up my day, but also how do I do it intentionally? Um, I think that a lot of us get stuck in this hamster wheel of just going, 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 going. And then we sit back and we're like, what did I do today? Mm. And I just have been in that place a number of times where it's like, okay, when I went, I when I, I was here for all these people, I went and did all these social things. I, you know, uh, said yes to everything and anything that came my, came in my path, but I didn't have a sense of fulfillment. Um, and I think I started to kind of just shift that a little bit of like, okay, I need to know when to say yes to others and when to say yes to myself. Um, and I need to know that I can't burn the candle at both ends. I used to get sick all the time, like all the time. Cause I would just be trying to be up early, stay out late, um, you know, do as much as possible for everybody. I would, I find myself like in situations where I just feel like crying because I'm tired. Right. And like, That's nowhere to be. So I think a lot of this has been me wanting to still make the most of my days and still be very like driven and, um, you know, task oriented or scheduled and routined, but also build into that routine things that can kind of fill my cup back up. Um, And so for me, the gratitude practice fills my cup. Um, I like to stay very active. I don't work out just once a day. I work out twice a day because I'm a little bit crazy when it comes to that. And it's also like a form of mental like therapy for me in some way, physical and mental therapy. And so I'm staying busy in that. I'm staying focused in that. Maybe I'm working towards a goal, like, uh, you know, fighting in a boxing match like I did last year or whatever it might be, or um, building out programming for a yoga um, event that I might be hosting. But I'm doing all these things with intention and trying to be as thoughtful about them as possible so that they're not just catering to others, but they're also being able to cater to myself. And I think it was just a shift of perspective and a shift of um, you know, a lifestyle change as well. Like I just, I don't do the same things. Like I don't go out all night, every night still, like I just needed to slow down for myself. And maybe part of it's coming to like this point where you just, you turn 30 plus and you start to realize like, all right, I have other priorities now. So I'm not sure if that answers your question completely, but, um, you know, it was more of just a taking, um, sitting with myself, taking stock, acknowledging that, it was time to maybe also fill up my own cup because I was pouring from an empty one for a really long time.
0: Cool. And we'll probably at some point come back to that a little bit. But uh yes, that that was great. Now, kind of the last question here in terms of the conversation starters or the the warm-up questions, so to speak. Um yeah. and- um, I try to do the best that I can to prepare a little bit for these conversations, mostly just through looking at uh, my guests, like Instagram and reading some posts just to kind of get a vibe, so to speak, of who they are, because the majority of uh, the guests I've never met before uh, the conversations on the podcast. So um, the next question says, do you have a favorite quote, mantra or word? Now, I, I, I came across this quote on your, well, I think it's actually in the, your, your Instagram bio And so Mm -hmm. I want to state this quote. I want you to expound on this quote a little bit more, please, which you kind of have with the first part of it. But then if you do have another favorite quote mantra word, you can also uh, go ahead and please share that. But uh, in the uh, bio of your Instagram, it says, go slowly, be humble. Expound Mm -hmm. on that, please. And then if there's anything else you want to add on top of that, go for it, Karen.
1: Yeah, thank you for doing that. And thank you for saying that. I actually have um go slowly and be humble on my the back of my arms they're tattooed on my body um i think go slowly is just a reminder to slow down right like life is going to happen fast it's going to come at you very quickly and so um i just encourage people to go slowly be intentional be thoughtful about how they're moving um through their their day to days um be humble uh, outside of just being a great line out of a Kendrick Lamar, um, you know, song, uh, and, um, a friendly reminder, I think we, I say, we like very generally as a society, I think it's very easy for us. Um, and I'm reading a book right now called ego is the enemy, um, by Ryan holiday. And I don't know if you've read that book, Um, but (laughs) it's great. It's a good book. Um, and I think it brings up a lot of really great, um, bits about this, right uh, ego is an easy thing to kind of get caught up in. Um, ego is something that can be our downfall. It has been the downfall of many in history. So I try to maintain a place of humility. Um, and I try to just, you know, walk humbly. And I think some of that comes from, you know, my faith. I think some of that also comes from the fact that again, I have experienced people very close to me leaving this earth, and the reality is, is that if that's not humbling, I don't know what is. Right to think that you're invincible, or think the people that you have in your life are invincible, um, and we're just not. We're we're just not. So I I try to maintain a lens of humility at all times because I'm eternally grateful for you know being here, um, and I don't think anything comes from. Our own individual efforts right like we have been raised by people we have been taught by people we have been influenced by people um we have you know crossed paths with a complete stranger that may that may completely change your life and um i just think that it's important to maintain this level of humility and gratitude for for what it is that we have and how it is that we show up so I think people should be more intentional. They should go slowly. And I think that, you know, we should be humble as people. Cause they, otherwise you're getting caught up. You're going to, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to experience losses in your life that you could have avoided potentially um, maybe not in death, but maybe in, in love or in life. So that's kind of how I, how I pursue um, my life. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. No, uh, I also, I, I was going to bring this up earlier and I didn't, but, you brought it up so that's cool so uh, I saw one of your recent Instagram posts you were I don't know I think you were like sitting outside and you were reading egoism and you oh that's cool I've read that book now yeah how did you uh, how did you come across uh, this book specifically because um, my uh, last podcast guest in which uh, Brian Shontosh I just released his episode today, and he's a, a a Marine officer veteran, uh, you know, combat veteran, got the Navy yeah. cross, like very decorated in his military career, right? And uh, he, he's really big on, you know, teaching people leadership and and specifically men and things like that. But I asked him about ego and we had a little chat about that because this is something for myself personally, Karen, over, I'd say the last year uh, that I've kind of been, enlightened to in terms of just at, at a greater level, because it's like, man, like, I can just feel with myself like ego when it's rising up. And I can see like, mm-hmm. you know, all around me when people are acting out because of their their ego, so to speak. So how right. did you come across this book? And then talk a little bit more about maybe how this book or just learning more about uh, your ego personally has kind of helped you maybe go to another level in terms of uh you know just as a as an adult as a woman as a business person what have you
1: yeah well that was that's a great question also um I think it like speaks to something else that I think is really in, important in my life um the book itself was recommended as part of a, a book club that I have um that I'm in my first book club like ever I've, I've never really been in a book club before um but the book clubs through my gym, uh, one of the gyms that I actually work at and work out at. And I think it speaks to the fact that like I personally think it's important to keep good people around you, people that are constantly looking to evolve and grow. And I think, you know, when we talked about books that we wanted to read, we wanted our books to be books that would help us be better people um, and how we show up, not just in our direct community at the gym, um, but how we show up in our professional spaces and so forth. And so this was the first book that got served up and it's a cute little book too. Like if you've seen it, it's, it's cute, but it has, it's impactful uh, in terms of the words that are in it. Um, and uh you know in terms of you know ego and 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 how i think first, it's important to be self-reflective of that. I think it's amazing that you, you know, you're on this journey for yourself and that you can say, you said that you like feel ego when it comes up in you. And I think that that's like such an amazing amount of self-awareness. And I think especially, um, you know, when you think about uh, the way that some people are just so unaware, right? They just have no concept of it. Um, It's interesting to, to kind of, form that question as like, as a woman, how do I, how do I experience ego too? Because I think oftentimes we kind of associate ego as just like a very masculine male, um, dominated energy. And I, you know, I don't think that that's true at all. I think ego is something that it can easily, um, felt on both the masculine and feminine. Um, so I appreciate you kind of forming that question in that way. You know, for me, I think, um, my experiences with ego were probably more in my younger years. I think uh, we have a tendency when we're younger to, you know, if, you know, given the right, maybe stage or raised a certain way, uh, you know, it's easy to sometimes think like, again, invincible, like I'm invincible, people, no one can touch me, you know, I'm doing I'm killing it, you know, whatever it is, you kind of drive this, like, overconfidence and arrogance, then I kind of, associate the two with ego. Um, I think now, uh, you know, especially in, in spaces where I am interfacing with others, like I'm again, maintaining this level of humility and to a point where some people would say that that's a downfall of mine. I, I maybe I'm too humble in some ways. And I think as I'm saying that I'm like, does that come off kind of like right. funky or not? But, um, a perfect example of this is uh, I, again, I, I, participate in my first amateur boxing match last year. Uh, and during the entire training program, you know, uh, I trained with two men, um, both of which have, you know, a good amount of confidence in themselves. And I wouldn't say ego, but I would say that they are in touch with their ego. They know how to kind of like balance it out. Right. And I think it was something that they constantly were trying to fire up in me and to kind of create some ego around the work I was doing, or like the efforts I was putting in and what have you. And it was really hard for me, really, really hard for me. I don't, I don't get hyped like that. I'm not going to call my competition names. Like I'm not going to, you know, that's not the energy that I carry, but it's something that exists in boxing, right? Is this healthy ego concept. And sometimes it can get unhealthy. I think that my last brush with like ego was after I won that fight And I think I was sitting around and maybe overly pumping out my chest a little bit. And I kind of had to, again, pull myself aside and sit myself down and say, hey, you did it. Amazing. But like, also this person came out into the ring and like, that's incredible. And like, we raised money for cancer research and survivorship. And like, that kind of brought my ego back down. But it was one of those things where I could feel it for sure, kind of like all the way up to my throat. And I was like, whoa, take a swallow relax, sit down, and had to put it back at bay. So I definitely have experienced it in certain spaces. I think I'm still challenged. I wish I had a little bit more ego in certain spaces, right? Like I wish I had a little bit more um, ego at work sometimes, right? Like I wish I could um, be a little bit more... I don't know, boastrous about some of the things that I've done. And I think it's a balance. I think it's something that's not super easy. And they talk about it in the book, right? Of just kind of maintaining this balance and saying, okay, yes, it's okay. Like we all have it, but like lead with the humility aspect, like lead with the empathy, lead with the kindness. Um, And it's, it's a challenging thing. I think a lot of people have uh, come up against. I know I've done it. I'm sure everyone has, if they take time to be self-reflective.
0: Okay. Now you mentioned, uh, and I, it, this was on your Instagram, uh, bio as well, but, uh, you mentioned earlier as well, uh, you know, uh, you know, faith is something that, that you practice or, uh, you know, that's a, it's a part of your life. So how does, uh, yeah. again, just to kind of go a little bit deeper, right. With some of the things that you've mentioned, um, how does faith ground you and kind, and kind of give you a purpose, uh, in a sense,
1: Mm. Um, so, fun fact: I was raised Jewish. Actually, um, I kind of pushed away from Judaism when I was young. I just didn't feel like I, I felt different from everybody else. Like uh, I'd have to t- attend Sunday school, or I'd have to attend, um, you know, different religious classes uh, that my friends at the time, because I didn't have very many Jewish friends, um, didn't have to attend. So I kind of just like pulled away from it, um, and really just kind of led with this idea that there was a higher being and that I was spiritual in nature, but I didn't really have like any like formal belief in faith. In fact, I was like, religion is the root of all evil. It has caused so many wars and battles in our history. I and mean, this is my, my mentality when I was younger, um, I, in 20, 2019, I was starting to think like, okay, I feel like I'm missing something. Uh, missing a piece of me, something was not right. I mean, I do yoga, I set intentions, I express gratitude, I I have meditated, like I've done all these things that essentially can align with prayer. And who is it going to? Like, where is it going? Um, so, in 2020, uh, halfway through the year of 2020, I was like, I'm going to commit to attending church online, it was during COVID, right? So it was a time where I could kind of explore what felt good to me, Um, non-denominational Christian churches Uh, found one out of Tulsa that I really love. um, And I love the pasture. I love the community. It's just like multi-generational, multi-ethnic. It's got a little bit of everything for everyone and really easy to connect with. And so I spent that time going every Sunday, you know, going quote unquote going every Sunday and have not essentially missed service since. Uh, Maybe I don't attend live. Maybe I'm attending. later in my day or whatever, whatever has come, I made a decision to get baptized in 2022. So that's fairly new for me as well. Um, Getting baptized as an adult is unbelievable because it's a decision that you're making kind of on your own. Um, But I think for me, what's been really impactful is that I sat down and like, read the Bible, (laughs) which is not an easy thing to do. (laughs) It's like reading. Um, sometimes it's like picking up William Shakespeare and you're like, I don't know what I I can't, but it did give me a lot of time for self-reflection and thought and how to kind of derive some of the lessons, um, that are, you know, portrayed in the Bible for things that are applicable to me today. So I think it's kind of this constant reminder that there is something bigger than myself out there. There is, um, a reason why you should be humble. There is, uh, you know, comfort in the words that are provided in the, in, in faith. Um, and it's just something that for me, I I found a lot of connection to, and I found an opportunity to kind of seek refuge in, in times that were really tough and dark. Um, you know, when my, when my dad passed, it was like, I had every reason and I I did for the first maybe 24 hours. Like, how could you, like, why would you take this person from me? And then kind of coming back to this idea that there's always like a plan bigger than my own. And I think while I obviously like miss my dad dearly, there's been a lot of really amazing things that have happened since he's passed that I may not have done otherwise without his like departure. And so, um, yeah, I think it's this it's just a place to keep coming back to for comfort and guidance. Um, and has been something that I've been extremely grateful for, um, you know, over the time that I've that I've been really close to it.
0: Hmm. Okay, now one one more follow-up question to kind of the faith thing. Now, you yes. said you grew up uh, you know, in 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 Judaism. Now, how did you kind of go from from that upbringing of of I'll just I'm going to use the terminology religion uh, mm-hmm. to uh, deciding that you wanted to go to like a, a non-denominational Christian type uh, community or church with all the yeah. other religions that are out there. I mean, can you walk us through that a little bit? Because I'm kind of fascinated by by that, uh, I guess, choice that you made.
1: Yeah, that's fair. Um, you know, honestly, Jewish culture, you have the Old Testament. Um, and it's a pretty, you know, it's a very culturally heavy um, faith. It's also very in my, you know, in my experience, it's also something that we it's it's fairly mournful. Like we are constantly living in a past place of um, you know, the the impacts that we've the, you know, the losses we've had, the, you know, et cetera, at least for Judaism. And um, there's some correlation though, like the Old Testament and Old Testament Christian, I mean they're the same for a lot of reasons um i think where it gets different for me is that um while culturally i think like um the jewish people are like incredible mm-hmm. um they have overcome a ton they have uh, persevered i just i felt like i was disconnected somehow um my mom's side of the family is Jewish. And so in Jewish faith, you are Jewish if born of a Jewish mother. Um, my dad's side of the family, um, was Southern Baptist, which is like totally different. (laughs) Um, growing up, I grew up around, um, a lot of Catholic, uh, influence. In fact, I have quite a few Catholic friends. I've sat through so many Catholic weddings that I Um, I have experienced um, Greek Orthodox religions. I have, uh, you know, experienced Lutheran, Methodist, and this is all just like through my friends, right? And through their experiences. And at the end of the day, I kind of came back to this thing of like, it's a lot of different like branches of the same thing. And the same thing, in my opinion, kind of derived from this, like, let's just trim it back. Let's just look at something that is like, non-denominational. We don't need the extra denominations, the extra, you know, flavor that we're putting on there. I didn't want to lean into Catholicism at all, just because it's just such a, for me, um, you know, whereas Judaism was very mournful, Catholicism is very fear-based. And I just, Mm -hmm. I wanted to stay away from that. Southern, Southern Baptist can be the same. So I kind of led into whatever felt most Um, attainable or most comfortable for me. And again, I I kept checking in with myself every Sunday. I was like, does this word work for me? Um, Like, is this working for me? Uh, The other side of it is that I have quite a few friends that are LGBTQ. Mm -hmm. And quite frankly, I wanted to make sure that I wasn't leaning into a religion that was going to be like really, really, uh, judgmental or, um, misaligned with my personal values. And so finding a church, finding a congregation, like finding a, a pastor that was really looking at things from more of an acceptance lens and a love lens was really important to me. So this is how I ended up where I'm at. Um, and it was a little bit of trial and error. There was a couple other places that I like leaned into. Um, and I just felt more connected to the voice that I got, um, mm-hmm. you know, where I was. And now when I explore in person. Um, you know, spaces, I am really aware of those same values. Like, is this a multi-generational? Is this multi-ethnic? Is this um, one where the pastor's speaking out of love rather than out of fear? Those are things that are really important to me in order for me to feel comfortable in the spaces that I'm at.
0: Cool. All right. Excellent. Okay. Uh, Now we're going to, we're going to dig in a little bit deeper now, Karen, kind of in terms of uh, just your, 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 your uh, upbringing and things like that. So, we kind sure. of touched on the the uh, I guess the the religious side of things, but where did you actually grow up? Uh, talk mm-hmm. a little bit more about uh, you know your your parents. If you have siblings, uh, what were you like as a as a young person? Did you play sports? Like uh, was school like a big part of your life in terms of academics? Like just talk about kind of all those mm-hmm. things up to about high school, and then we'll kind of okay. stop there because we'll we'll kind of transition into uh, post high school after that.
1: Okay. Great. Um, Well, I was born in Washington, D.C., so I'm a very proud D.C. native. Uh, We moved outside of D.C. once my brother was uh, walking and moving because it was just going to be one of those things that was not going to be great for our small space. Um, So we lived in Maryland for a brief moment, Tennessee for a very brief moment. Um, Back to Maryland. My mom's family was from Bethesda, so it was like trying to be kind of close to them when we were little, um, and then I did middle school through high school in Northern Virginia, right outside Washington, DC. Um, and uh, you know, close enough to the city where I could go in on the weekends, um, but far enough away where we had space and uh, you know, great community and so forth. Um growing up, uh, my brother and I were thick thieves, um, really, really close. Uh, That kind of continued up until I really, I left for college. We were really close up until then. Um, I, uh, both my parents, uh, you know, very active in my life. My mom um, stopped working when my brother was born so that she could kind of like support us both and uh, drive us around to all of our things. Once we had uh, sports and social obligations, my dad, um, you know, kind of was always, uh, always working, but um, always found time to kind of support us, at least from our athletics and, um, you know, making sure that he was a part of those activities. Um, the life, you know, I think looking back now, uh, you know, I, my parents did the best they could, um, you know, with what they were, uh, kind of able to do. Right. I mean, like, I think, I think, um, part of my my growth and self-reflection as I've gotten older is kind of acknowledging that our parents are just human beings. Uh, and they are as equipped as we would be if we all of a sudden decided to pop out children. And it's not an easy thing to do. And you're all of a sudden responsible for a human being. Um, and that can be incredibly challenging um, as you're molding them and so forth. But um, yeah, I think you know, my parents did the best that they could do. They uh, eventually got divorced and we can talk about that later. Um, but at the time, you know, it was, it was trying to maintain this, uh, this energy of, of like a really happy family. And then one that, you know, kind of was supporting one another and and all that good stuff. But we definitely had hiccups and, and bumps along the way.
0: So what, uh, what sports did you play? And then what was the <laughs> yeah. like for you?
1: Yeah. Great question. Um, I so I've been the same height that I am right now, which is five foot four since I was in third grade. Uh, so I played basketball, um, believe it or not. Uh, it was actually a four or five for a really long time and then kind of moved into a three position. And then all of a sudden I was a two and I was like, I just want to be super clear. We never really worked on my um, ball handling skills when I was younger. Cause I don't think we thought I was going to be this short forever. Uh, I also played ice hockey um, and softball. Um, Softball, I was very fast because of basketball. So that made me a very great base runner. Um, And I I loved sports. I I think basketball was my first love. I played from middle school or maybe elementary school through. Um, I played travel, AAU, all that good stuff. I was a tenacious little defender. Um, but again, I've been the same height since I was uh, you know, in third grade. So kind of kind of crazy. I also just in general, like I was this tall. I was more looking like a like a woman than I was a little girl. And so it was always kind of like a weird place for me. Um academics-wise, I, you know, did enough to like get by basically I wouldn't say that I was like a wildly um studious person I got the A's and B's I think I had uh, one instance where I got a C and maybe a D the D I got freaked out about and admittedly tried to change my my report card I don't know what I was expecting my parents were going to find out or something obviously they were going to know I got in trouble um so We've gotten grounded a few times, um, but I'm the oldest. And so I've always felt a lot of pressure um, to be, you know, the best and to, like, make sure that I was leading by example. And I definitely out of being, uh, you know, it was my brother and I. And so me being the oldest and a girl, I definitely was (laughs) had a few extra rules uh, that my brother did. Uh, And, you know, I think I (laughs) set... I think I set a good example, um, you know, for him, but obviously our, our younger years were, were different, right? Like his choices were different from mine, but my dad did try to force me into golf. I just couldn't do it. My brother picked up that, uh, that club and was able to play golf with him. So that's good. But, um, yeah, it was, for me, it was basketball, ice hockey and, and softball.
0: Okay. Now, uh, you mentioned, I think you mentioned something about, you know, entering into your 30s. So I'm assuming you're somewhere in in, in the 30 range. So that puts you kind of like a, a 90s kid, right? Now, those mm. of us that the 90s, uh, hopefully, hopefully, I'm, uh, I'm I'm hearing you right on all this. But
1: yeah.
0: Um, uh, so in terms of growing up in the 90s, obviously, the Chicago Bulls was kind of like, you know, Jordan, uh, they were yeah. on the team, Michael Jordan, right? Now, did you kind of jump on that bandwagon as a kid or did you have a, another uh, team or athlete that you kind of idolize in terms of basketball specifically? That's really funny.
1: I this is something that I've been laughing about only for the last year or so, because I honestly didn't really love the NBA when I was younger. I, I mean, obviously, Michael Jordan's a god and we should, you know, love every moment of the fact that we've been able to like see him play. I mean, I've saw him play into his like much elder years in DC um, on the Wizards. But um, no, I really wasn't into the NBA at all. I was into college basketball. My dad um, was basically shoving UNC basketball down my throat since I was a youth. Um, he's from North Carolina, you kind of have to pick um, your allegiance when you're from that area of, of where you're going to, uh, who you're going to support, what you're going to love, and so we were UNC household. Um, I did attend basketball camp at UNC as well as Duke, just mm-hmm. to be able to like see both sides of the of the fence, the proverbial enemy line, if you will. Um, and uh, you know, I have when I was younger, I, I read books about like you know the Tobacco Road and. I was just really like very much into college basketball. I did not really see much of a lens for, for NBA. I've just recently became what I like to call an NBA girly. I like love going to games. I think they're so fun. I definitely see myself gravitating more towards individual players than full on teams, just cause there's just so much skill and, um, Oh, I mean, there's just so many talented people out there that play across so many different teams, and it's just one of those things for me that I've I've become a little bit more connected to players versus teams, if you will. But I do like to cheer for the uh, Warriors because I don't know Steph and Clay. <laughs>
0: okay, okay. I, I will have to disagree with you on on that. Yeah, no, right, that's okay. <laughs> uh, we'll uh, we'll we'll save that for another conversation. But okay, um, okay now. Once you, uh, kind of got into to high school and stuff, obviously you grew up as an athlete. And, uh, when you grew up as an athlete for a lot of us, that's kind of like your, your main focus, right? You kind of go to school yeah. because you have to, you're kind of en- engrossed in sports because, um, you know, it, it, just demands a lot of your attention and time, especially when you're a kid, yeah. if you're doing all the traveling teams and stuff like that. But, um, for you, Karen, personally, once you kind of got into high school, did you have some thoughts of what you wanted to do or be quote unquote when you grew up or what you wanted to pursue after high school? If so, what were you kind of thinking about? And then let's transition into once you actually graduated from high school, uh how did life kind of unfold and how did some of those thoughts and dreams you had as as a teenager um come to fruition or not once you uh graduated high school?
1: Yeah. Uh um we're going down the the memory bank here. So I i think i realized very quickly i'm five foot four like high unlikelihood likelihood that i'm going to be a student athlete at a collegiate like d1 school like i maybe thought one day you know when i was attending unc basketball camp or any of these spaces um so i very quickly kind of checked out from that i really just wanted to have the best college, uh, high school experience that i could have and i had a lot of friends that were in athletics and i had a lot of great relationships um you know, I was definitely a little boy crazy uh, in in high school. Um, it was really about making as many memories as possible and just like having a really good time doing so. Um, when I started thinking about post high school, like where I was going to go and co- where I was going to go to college, like what I wanted to do, where I wanted to be when I grew up, you know, I was pretty locked in on wanting to be in marketing, wanting to be somebody at the time that was like building out storyboards, like creating commercials, campaigns, etc. I was part of DECA. I was part of, um, you know, sports marketing classes. I was like doing all of these things that I felt were really more derived towards like what would be a reasonable future. In fact, at one point I was My dad sat me down, was like, listen, I know that you like choir, but like, what's it gonna do for you? And I was like, okay, fine, I'll pick up a another, another thing that's more business related. So I really started leaning in towards the creative side of me and just wanting to like be in an agency, wanting to work, um, work full campaigns. Uh, in terms of where I was gonna go to school, I was really kind of getting to this point where I was like, I needed to get out of Northern Virginia. Um, Everybody that goes to school there, you know, or grows up in that area tends to lean towards, uh, you know, a lot of in-state schools. We've got incredible schools in in Virginia, Um, UNC, or not UNC rather, UVA, uh, you know, Tech, all of these schools, a lot of people were going there. And I just, I didn't have any desire to do any of that. So where could I go? That was the furthest away that I could have my independence. I was also like not really close with my mom at this point. I was kind of that rebellious teen, if you will, in some ways. And, um, I applied to Hawaii. I applied to, um, Arizona state. I applied to a few other schools that were out West. And then I also applied to Tennessee UNC Wilmington. Um, and I think that was, I think that was it. And I got into Hawaii and I got into ASU and I got into UNC Wilmington. And my parents said, do not even think that you're going to go to Hawaii? Like that's not going to happen. <laughs> um, and so I took the next for this one away, which was Arizona state, uh, university and, uh, ended up, entering into school with the intention of doing uh, business school at, at Arizona State University.
0: Okay, cool. Now, before we go any further in terms of kind of like the the career stuff, I want to just take a quick step back because you had mentioned earlier that uh, at some point your parents got a divorce and then you just kind of mm-hmm. said that uh, you were uh, being, I guess, maybe a rebellious teen, which I think a lot of us uh, go down that route at, at some point. Yeah. But- you, you weren't having necessarily the best relationship with your, your mom. So if you don't mind, can you touch on a little bit about the impact on you personally and specifically when you, when your parents got that divorce, and then did that play into a little bit of uh, that relationship, uh, maybe splinter with your, with your mother?
1: So actually my parents didn't get divorced until officially didn't get divorced until my brother passed. So that was only like eight or nine years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, My parents separated a few years prior to that. So I think for what it's worth, once you got older, you started to realize like the rose colored glasses starts to come off and you start to see like, you start to see your parents differently. Right. Um, I think I started acknowledging that my parents were not super happy, um, like in their marriage at all. When I kind of left for, for college Um, My mom and I still to this day have somewhat of a a tumultuous relationship. I mean, we, we get along, but like, we definitely have communication issues. She's a much more emotional person than I am. Um, You know, for up until my brother probably passed, I was very cold. Like with my emotions, I didn't really cry. I wasn't like, I, I felt things obviously like, anybody does. I just didn't, I compartmentalized really, really well. And then I think after my brother passed, I had a hard time doing that anymore. Um, but yeah, I think mother daughter relationships are really interesting. Like they're very, they can be one of two ways. They can be super, super close. That can be your best friend, or you can just be this somebody that you're challenged, um, you know, communicating with and having them understand you really well. And so, i we were just not in a great place going away to school definitely helped because we weren't in each other's faces all the time um you know we kind of got to these weekly cadences of checking in and ch- talking and that kind of grew to like more every other day and then every day i mean you just miss your family when you're away from them my parents eventually moved out to arizona uh, my sophomore year of college primarily because at the time my brother was a scratch golfer i mean he was exceptional um, and they wanted to put him in a position where he would be successful getting, getting, a getting a scholarship and, you know, while we lost him to a heroin overdose and he definitely found drugs while he was in, um, while he was in high school, he was still like playing, you know, both sides. I mean, he was still doing very well. He ended up actually having a scholarship opportunity to university of Nevada, um, but unfortunately I, uh, you know, wasn't able to fulfill that scholarship because he was too far into his addiction at that time. He had to go to rehab. So, you know, it, it's, it was, um, My decision to get away was because I really wanted to escape. It was escapism in its own way. And Arizona state had a great business school and it was a good reason to get out. And then of course they followed me across the U S so it didn't really matter. (laughs) And you know, quite frankly, I think it just, yeah, it it was a good opportunity to be closer. I wish I had been closer to my family. Um, I oftentimes go through this phase of if I hadn't left for school, my brother hadn't been alone. Maybe he wouldn't have felt like he needed to find um, comfort and being a, you know, the only kid in a household where your parents aren't necessarily getting along is really hard and troubling. And it's a lot of pressure. And I, um, I don't blame myself, but I do wish that I had been closer, um, for him. Hmm.
0: Okay. So you go to Arizona state university, uh, you, you start studying uh business. It sounds like, so what was your college experience like, Karen? And then, um, I, I want you to kind of maybe start uh, sharing with us a little bit, if you don't mind, because you're, you're, I mean, it sounds like you're really big into to fitness and you've explored yoga and you've done the boxing and yeah. you mentioned working at a gym. So uh, with the, the the business education at Arizona state, I mean, when did kind of the the fitness stuff kind of come on the scene for you, I guess, in a, in a, in a strong sense?
1: Yeah. Uh, they're not correlating at all. Um, I honestly struggled uh, with body image for a long time. I was never a big kid. I I was just a girl that was under pressure of societal pressure and wanting to be super skinny and what have you. So actually, I struggled with a little bit of a, a issue with food and like a relationship with food and body image in high school. I got perpetuated into college, um, you know, and that's even harder because all of a sudden now you have freedom and you're likely drinking if you're into you know, into that scene. And, um, that was a real thing for me. Um, to be honest, my relationship with fitness didn't come until post-grad and we can talk about that, but, um, I honestly got to ASU and, um, like many people, all of a sudden you're given freedom and you either are going to, uh, you know, take it <laughs> and do well with it, or you're going to uh, struggle. And I, first year was fine or first semester was fine. Second semester, I struggled really hard. Um, I quickly figured out business school was not going to work for me because you had to take accounting. Accounting is super hard. Um so that was a no for me. Um so I actually changed my major to communications. Um my sophomore year uh changed my intent changed everything over, got a minor in history. Um but I joined a business fraternity my first like my first semester. So that introduced a whole level of like partying and and Uh, social, whatever experiences, which was great because I met some of my nearest and dearest friends there. Um, But then that translated into um, being a founding member of a sorority, um, Delta Zeta, which I'm really, really proud of um, at ASU. And being a founding member meant there was a lot of work um, and one thing that i am extremely grateful is that they said you know we want you you need to be here we want you to be a part of our sorority we want you to be a part of our team but you need to get your grades up and so they kind of really like helped push me to be more um academic focused uh which was great um and some of my closest girlfriends you know throughout high school or rather throughout college were from my sorority um but i you know i essentially double down. Like I, again, maybe this is where the type A personality comes in, but I was like, all right, I now know what the goal is. Like the goal is to graduate in four years. I'm not going to do more than four years. Like that's crazy. I want to get into the real world. I also want to be successful. I want to make sure that I'm like a good representative of my sorority. Like this was like that conversation about my grades was like a, one of those shakes you need. Um, And I actually doubled down into school like really heavy I started going to winter semester summer semesters, I could have graduated in three years I opted to stay and do four years and then just take on a few extra like uh, electives my parents told me I could have the four years so that was great kind of helped me like frame out who I was going to be, I did a a semester abroad um, in London, which was incredible. Um, I came back from that. I was not in good shape at all. Kind of, that was like a good realization of like, you better start running. My relationship with fitness was really just running up until, um, you know, up until probably 2013. (laughs) And then in 2013, like I shifted towards more yoga. Mm -hmm. And then when my brother passed, I, I doubled down into yoga. And so that's kind of where the fitness thing really takes off. Um, so Yeah, we kind of zoomed through college, but I mean, college was really what exactly what you would think it is. It was sunshine, classes, um, lots of parties, and um, a lot of burning my candle at both ends. And, uh, you know, just trying to figure out who I was. And I don't think I even knew who I was when I graduated college. Mm -hmm. I got a job in an ad agency like I had always wanted. Uh, they paid me $29,000 a year, which was a joke. (laughs) I continued to work there for a while and also work at a bar that I worked at for a really long time where I met a lot of other close girlfriends of mine because it was an all-female staff. And then, um, ended up leaving the agency, uh, due to downsizing and went to work for the bar that I had been working for because they had a multi multi-chain. And so I did all their marketing and advertising and then, uh, this kind of leads me back to coming back to DC. I just eventually, the economy kind of dropped out. I mean, we all remember the economy going to crap. Um, and I moved back to DC in 2011.
0: Hmm. Okay, now <laughs> let's talk a little bit about, uh, if you don't mind, uh, let's, let's. I wanna talk a little bit about the, the, the pressures of, you know, being a, a girl and then obviously becoming a woman and how our society really pressures females to uh maybe present themselves in a certain way, to to learn, look look a certain way, to talk a certain way. Can you talk? Can you just discuss a little bit, Karen, about some of those pressures that you felt just in your own experiences and and touch on maybe a little bit more like some of the 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 relationship struggles with food and things like that. Because yeah. uh that's that can be some very deep stuff. Like just for me in all uh, you know, transparency with everybody that's listening, like as a guy, uh, you know, like when I was uh, a tween and going into my teen years, like I struggled with, with, uh, you know, my relationship with food and like body Mm -hmm. image. So it's not just a female thing. It's also a a male thing. It's a human thing, especially in our culture and a society. But I think generally speaking, females may feel that pressure a little bit more than, than male. So can you, can you touch on that please?
1: Yeah, thank you for sharing that. And thank you for being um open about that because I think uh, a lot of people do just correlate it with um with females and the reality is that it exists in all mm-hmm. all sides um including you know individuals that feel like they're in the wrong body. <laughs> so um for me I I think that this is an important topic, especially for people that are in fitness, because I think oftentimes there's this, uh, disillusion that, you know, the people you see instructing your classes or the people you see that are strong and like, they have abs and whatever, like they've always been that way, or they've always, they, they, that's their lifestyle. You know, that's just how they are. That's just not the case. In most cases where I've like, had one-on-one conversations with other women um, instructors and in fitness, they've oftentimes experienced a lot of issues with body image. Some of them still do. Um, some of them struggle from depression, et cetera. Um, so I, I, uh, you know, basically just was always in a calorie deficit, my like whole, whole high school. I mean, I can call it that now. I understand what it was now, right. A calorie deficit. I essentially was eating, but not eating a lot. I experimented with, uh, hydroxy cut when I was in high school. If you remember old school hydroxy cut, that is not it. That's not going to like, that's never a good thing for you. That's a, for people listening, that's a diet pill that had, um, you know, massive amounts of ephedrine in it. And, uh, I developed a heart Mm. murmur. Um, I was super skinny. I just had baby fat, like around my face. You know, I look back at pictures of myself and I'm like, Oh my God, I look, I don't know, just so different. I am aged like a fine wine and I say that all the time and I am very proud of it. But I mean, I could have, I could have gone down a really different path. I think being an athlete helped me kind of at least maintain some level of like ongoing fitness and like a need to fuel my body. Um, But yeah, you know, I think we went... I'll speak for women. I'll speak for myself. I think I just always felt a need to want to be really like thin and um, fit. I grew up in a time where it wasn't really cool to have like a big, you know, a nice like big butt, like it wasn't cool to have like curbs basically at the time that I grew up that we were talking about like Kate Moss and seeing all these other, um, you know, models in society that were just really, really real thin, Um, Victoria's Secret models, real thin, big boobs, like that was it. Right. And so I think there was a lot of pressure of how I would be um, seen, not just by like my peers, but like by the male gaze and just wanting to really like be fully accepted. Um, And maybe acceptance for me was, uh, you know, being accepted for what I looked like versus like who I was and how I communicated or like how I showed up um, in spaces around me. And I I think that shift for me sort of happened um, very naturally. Like I just kind of got to this place where I was like, this is like, not healthy. Like I just sort of educated myself. I saw a few friends that were really struggling with like bulimia or struggling with anorexia really, really badly. And you just don't want to end up like that, um, that, that space. I do think um, as I've gotten older and as I've gotten more engaged with fitness, I am really aware of people that are experiencing um, body image issues. And I am you know, always like wanting to like have conversations with folks that have gone through that because the reality is, is there something to learn? And in most cases, people have just either experienced really, really um, intense levels of insecurities, or they have experienced loss, grief, um, depression, you know, whatever it might be. And um, fitness is a space where people turn to it for a lot of different reasons. Um, I've already mentioned this, you know, during our time that I, I lean into fitness to help me um, with a lot of like, mental clarity, um, physical therapy. Uh, I leaned into fitness so hard when my brother passed because I wasn't ready to talk about my emotions. I needed to kind of like process my grief. Then, um, I lost a lot of weight during that time. Uh, I wasn't healthy. Um, but it was a way for me to kind of cater to like what I needed to do to quiet my mind. Mm. Um, I think we're just under a lot of pressure as human beings. I don't care, you know, if you're male, female, um, binary, you know, non-binary, trans, it doesn't matter. Like we are under a lot of pressure as human beings to show up in society in a way that isn't always authentic to ourselves. And one of the conversations that I've had to have with myself over and over again is to be proud of who I am and to really um, be thoughtful about how I'm showing up so that if I can show up authentically maybe i can encourage the next person i interact with to show up authentically as well. Mm.
0: uh is uh anxiety or anything like that something you've struggled with uh, as well karen or not 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 necessarily.
1: nothing diagnosed. um i, I don't have any diagnosed thera- uh anxiety or or depression. um i think i i have been pretty self-aware of when I feel like I'm experiencing anxious thoughts. Um, And I think I'm only aware of that because I've taken time to spend, to read about things like that. Right. And I, I, this is why I lean a little bit more towards like self care, self-help, self-assessment type reading. Um, And so there's a period of time where I like didn't ingest caffeine (laughs) because I didn't want to add any additional anxiety to my life um i also see a therapist you know weekly and i think that that's a good way for me to gauge whether or not i'm having anxious quote unquote anxious thoughts um but i don't have anything diagnosed
0: hmm. okay now when did you i guess uh so you 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 kind of were in the in the the bu- business marketing side of things then you uh you know were, were you then you i mean you were working at the bar it sounds like kind of through college and then you uh Got laid off or whatever with the business stuff, and then you went back to the bar. Now, when did you kind of transition into, uh, if you are like full time, kind of fitness and working at a gym and and that type of uh, in, endeavor?
1: So I've never been full time fitness. Um, yeah. I grew up watching my dad bust his ass, um, you know, either in marketing or um, sales for software companies, and I always told myself I was never going to do that. And then I I ended up doing it. So <laughs> I um I actually work in software sales. Um, I have since 2011. Um, I am at this point uh, an enterprise account executive for a um, collaboration platform, Figma. Um, if you're familiar with it uh i have always done fitness part time um it's been really more of a means of me being able to pay it forward for what yoga did for me when i was experiencing um grief from my brother's loss i ended up uh becoming a yoga instructor um more or less during that time uh my brother passed in uh the month of march and then i started my yoga te- my yoga teacher training i think in september of that year um and so I wanted to be able to be a part of a community that didn't necessarily know about my loss, was sort of treating me like any other person, um, would give me an opportunity to push myself, learn more about my body, understand, um, you know, why it was that yoga was having the impact it was on me. And fast forward became a 200 hour registered yoga teacher, yoga yoga teacher, excuse me, um, and have been teaching yoga since. Um, I have taught for core power yoga, which is a massive organization that a lot of people know about. That's where I did my training, taught with them for about eight years, um, kind of transitioned out of their like weekly schedule. I now teach at Equinox regularly, if people are familiar with Equinox gyms. Uh, And then I also teach um, at a small gym in DC, uh, Flex DC. I started my own business in During the pandemic, as a means of helping raise awareness and funds for different nonprofit organizations through um, hosting a monthly yoga class, which has been amazing. And then, um, you know, I kind of found all the other avenues of fitness and all the other communities through being a part of the DC fitness community, which is a pretty small niche community, um, one that we all support each other pretty well. Uh, and that's taken me into, um, strength and conditioning training and boxing, et cetera. But the only thing I teach and lead, uh, is, is yoga.
0: Okay, cool. Okay. Now we, ha- we have to talk about the boxing thing because yeah, <laughs> when I saw that you, you know, were a boxer or did some sort of boxing or whatever, uh, however you kind of word that, uh, I was fascinated by that. So why, first of all, and what was the experience <laughs> like? And are you going to pursue going 2-0 in your boxing career, or is that on the back burner for now?
1: God willing, I will. Um, so boxing, much like anything else that I've ever I've done, has been a result of uh, something that feels like it's not a thing in my life I can control, right? So um, – so with the yoga, it's my brother passing, couldn't control his passing, but I was able to control what I did with the energy that was associated. Boxing is the same thing. Could not control that, um, you know, our the president at the time was causing chaos in my backyard. Um, could not control that, uh, you know, there were riots taking place in the streets. Couldn't control that COVID was um, just killing people daily. Uh, you know, I... I think if we want to talk about anxious thoughts, I had to take myself off of CNN. Like I couldn't watch CNN after the January 6th insurrection because it was just, I I realized that it was just having such a negative impact on my life. And I had been watching so much news up until then because we all were, because we wanted to know what was going on with the pandemic, et cetera. Um, But that summer of 2020, um, in the midst of the Black Lives Matter movement, I really like doubled down into boxing. I had really only attended a few rumble classes before that. For people that don't know, Rumble is like boutique boxing, um, you know, fitness class inspired situation. It's not, you know, you're not in a ring, you're not, you're not sparring anybody, you're literally hitting an aqua bag and um, kind of dancing around because the music's good. And um, that doubling down into boxing was able to help me kind of connect with um, a Another community in fitness that I hadn't yet connected with. I started attending classes um, outside at uh, Jen's Point Park in uh, Alexandria, Virginia, underneath a bridge. Um, it was led by one of the Rumble and inst- actually two of the Rumble instructors at the time uh, that were just really good friends. I wanted to do something outside, much like anybody else in COVID. And, and fitness was hard for people in COVID. So how do you supplement and, and make sure that you're still able to monetize your skills? And um, fast forward. My fast forward to uh you know 2022 and I am in a really dark place. I am sad. I have lost my dad. I am you know still boxing because it's just fun, but I'm not taking it as seriously. I get a random DM on Instagram as as sometimes we do. And somebody had said, Hey, I noticed that you've been raising money for different nonprofits over the last year. Um, and it looks like you box a little bit. Are you interested in boxing for haymakers for hope? Um, this person had no affiliation. They just had, you know, seen it in the past and thought it was something that I would be maybe interested in. I think this is where my faith kind of came in. Um, you know, I sat with it. I was like, thank you. I'll I'll think about it. I sat with it. I like quietly closed my eyes. I felt like God was saying like, go for it, do this. Your dad, my dad, like always used to make fun of me. He was like, I don't know what you're boxing for. Like, what are you, you're never going to get into a ring. And I was like, okay, well, maybe I will. You never know. I'm not somebody that likes to hit anything or hurt anybody. I let bugs out of my house. Like, that's not me. Um, and then the date of the boxing match was on my birthday. It was on my 37th birthday. Um, And it just felt like it was supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. So I signed up and raised, I think it was like $17,000, maybe a little bit more for, um, for this boxing match that was then distributed to a local nonprofit organization that focuses on using the arts to support individuals experiencing cancer or families like her that are dealing with cancer loss and survivorship. And it was an incredible experience. It was probably the hardest training I've ever put myself through in my entire life boxing teaches you so much about yourself if you're not humble just wait until you get in a ring and have someone punch you square in the nose um and it was something that I fell deeply in love with and continue to train uh, and continue to work towards you know in the event that I get the opportunity to get back in the ring
0: yeah what's what's the what's up to this point Karen in terms of like competitively boxing and 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 going through like a, a camp to actually compete in boxing. What's what's been the biggest takeaway for you personally? What, what's the biggest lesson that you've learned from the sport of boxing?
1: Uh, um you are much stronger than you think like you're much tougher than you think, right? Um I think a lot of us can find ourselves like doubting talking down or you know having a shitty day at the gym (laughs) and um wanting to give up and like you're so much tougher than you think like you have the capacity to do it just keep pushing um stay stay the path I have a coach that I coach like I train with every once in a while and he says be a shark and it's like just stay in the water be a shark like keep going keep pushing um and it's it's been it's been pretty incredible um and it's been one of the most empowering um sports i've ever participated in um i think for men women i don't care like who you are boxing has um such a capacity to teach you so much about yourself um and has the capacity to help you feel more empowered and strong uh you may feel clunky and and goofy at first but give yourself time and again give yourself grace because it will it will change your life
0: Hmm. Okay, we're gonna start heading towards the finish line, but I want to touch on a few more things. And one of the main things I guess I kind of want to uh, glean from you and gather from from your story and where you're at, uh, you know, at this point in your life, Karen is, you know, again, bringing up the word purpose, because I believe that uh, as human beings, we all have purpose, and purpose really is uh, everything in terms of uh, life and our pursuit. So, you know, I I I want you just to touch a little bit more on, you know, like you right from the get go, you talked about the loss that you've experienced with your brother and your dad and going through some really tar- dark times, uh, you know, within recent times. And how, how have, how, 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 how has gone going, you going through some of those difficult times and experiencing that loss help shine some light on your personal purpose?
1: It is the only reason why I probably have clear context in view as to what my purpose is. Um, you know, I think my brother's passing gave me uh, the, showed me the path to yoga. Yoga showed me the path to community. My dad passing, the first thing I did after he passed was host a community class. Like I had been doing already. Mm-hmm. Um, we raised like, almost like five grand. I mean, we raised so much money for a nonprofit organization that helps just get kids that have, are not as fortunate, um, you know, into the game of golf because my dad loved it so much, but it was the people that showed up for me. It was the community that surrounded me that was able to help me through that day or help me through those, those moments. And so it was kind of a reaffirming feeling of like, you are on the right path, like building community, and being in the service of others is your purpose in life and don't lose sight of that. And so I would not have yoga without, I would not have yoga teacher training likely without my brother passing. Um, and I would not be able to have, I've had the strength to kind of continue to do what I'm doing and to continue to have the the support of the people around me without having seen that um, after my dad passed. So I think we all are able to find our purpose in different ways. If you talk to, I mean, you talk to anybody their their answer might be different, but for me, it's been the losses that I've experienced and the desire to want to be the best things about the people that I've lost um, and carry that forward. That has like allowed me to stay grounded in my purpose.
0: Hmm. Okay. So with that purpose that you have, then uh, how do you, cause you mentioned earlier, like labels, right? We talked about, I asked you if you were type A and you're like, I don't really like all the label stuff. Yeah and I definitely receive that and respect that. But, um, so with the purpose that you have and all of the life experiences you've, you've, you've gone through up to this point, how do you view yourself? Like, I don't want to say, how do you label yourself, but how do you view That's yourself okay. <laughs> as a human being? Like tying that in with the purpose that you have, because we all, I mean, society sees us, right. But then we also see ourselves usually in a different light or a different form or in a, in a different through different lenses. So what say what say you on that, Karen?
1: Yeah, I think when you ask, when somebody asks me like, wh- who am I or what am I? Um, I say that I'm a community builder and collaborator. That's it. Um, but I will say this, like, taking a look at yourself in the mirror and trying to figure out who you are is hard, is like super, super hard. And um, sometimes the reflection that's looking back at you is like, you don't even recognize that person. So I think what's nice about purpose and being able to say like, this is who I am is like, it does help you fight off those, those moments of doubt of whether or not the person in the mirror is exactly who, who you are standing there. And so being grounded in that I think is really important, but I'll label myself for you. I will say that I'm a community builder. (laughs)
0: That's cool. That's cool. I love that now. Okay. Last two questions. I'm going to go back. Um, I've, I have personally been podcasting for almost five years, right? So I've had a lot of quote unquote podcast conversations and heard a lot of people's stories and I, and I love it. And anytime somebody says that they worked at a bar, um, (laughs) I've got to, I've got to kind of dig a little bit deeper because when you, especially at a younger age, right. When we're, when we're growing, we're learning kind of communication skills and trying to figure out who we are, what the world is and all that. When you are in a setting like a bar, you are coming in contact with so many interesting, unique individuals, and 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 it's just, uh, I think, a very uh, interesting, uh, you know, training ground, so to speak. So, yes. That being said, during your time working in the in the bar scene, what did you kind of learn uh, in terms of of community, uh, humans, communication? maybe even sales because that's what you've been involved with career rise for a long time. Like yeah. what did you learn from, from working in a bar for so long? Uh, when to cut people off. Um,
1: okay. no, I, uh, I think, um, one of the things that I value the most about the experience that I had was it was a family owned um, chain of restaurants and so we were very much a family like we maintain that energy Um, so I think from building community you know starts by just the people that you work with and being able to show those individuals respect I definitely was not who I am now back then right like I am an evolved version of that person Um, but I am grateful for that time that I had I think uh, the way that I learned a little bit about like how to hone in on my communication style and my the way that I'm able to approach people, you have to walk up to every table like that is in your section, right? Like you have to serve every person that comes into your bar unless they're too too intoxicated for service. And so um everybody. You know is handled differently and then you approach everybody with the same respect and admiration and kindness that you would show anybody else and um ultimately that's how you're getting paid at the end of the day you know your tips Tips aren't automatic in the U.S. So, um, you know, I was somebody that always wanted to make sure everyone was having a good time and everyone was always like feeling comfortable and felt like they were at home when they were in that space as well. And I think a lot of that is why I have no problem smiling at anybody on the street or talking to anybody I come in contact with. I think that there's always something you can learn from somebody that you you meet that sits down in your section. Um, we had a lot of regulars. We had a lot of the same people that would come in every single, I mean, it was a sports bar with like, primarily female staff. So a lot of them were men. And then, so I think it was men of all ages and being able to like know how to communicate with everybody differently and to hear their stories and to understand why they kept coming back and to be able to continue to create a space where they felt like really comfortable. I am, I am so grateful for the time I spent in service industry. I think it has been the biggest educator um, for me and how I like, uh, am able to kind of uh, approach complete strangers and 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 do so with like an empathetic heart, if you will. Now there's a time and a place, like eventually that gets tiring at 2 a.m. when the bar's supposed to be closing and somebody is acting a fool, less empathetic, less less kind. Um but yeah, just generally I think it's been it was probably the better way of like understanding how to how to approach people and how to build rapport and engage with them as individuals rather than as just another table.
0: Cool. Okay. Last question, and then uh, we're going to wrap it up. So kind of the tagline for the podcast is conversations with those in pursuit of more. So my final Mm -hmm. question for you, Karen, is what are you currently uh, in pursuit of or pursuing?
1: Oh, that is a really great question. And when I read it, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to answer this. Um, You know, I think I'm in the pursuit of... um, I'm in the constant pursuit of, uh, you know, authenticity and just like making sure that I am continuing to be as real as I can be to myself, to everybody that I come in contact with. Um, I think it's a hard thing. Like, I think a lot of us can get caught up. A lot of us can get lost. You know, we know that there's a lot of things that can play into that, um, But one of the things that I think is most important is that I just continue to show up as true and as honest and as transparent as I can be and as real as I can be as myself and all the rest of it will fall in line. I trust that there's like a greater plan for myself and that if I'm, you know, kind of walking in my purpose and walking um, in the pursuit of, you know, authenticity always that it will all kind of come in line and come together for me.
0: Cool. Love it. Okay, before I do a quick outro and I let you go, um, I want to give you kind of the opportunity, uh, Karen, to, uh, you know, share if people want to connect with you, if people want to reach out to you, um, if somebody, you know, is maybe going through something and and what you shared from uh, your story is kind of hitting them, uh, you know, in in their heart, so to speak, and they want to just reach out and maybe ask questions or whatever, um, where can people find you? Um, any sponsors, any shout outs, any final thoughts, any final <laughs> words, I'm going to turn it over to you and then I'll do a quick outro and we'll, uh, we'll end it there. So go for it.
1: Okay. Well, and if people want to connect with me, I absolutely want to connect with you. Um, I don't you know, care if it's in direct correlation to fitness or yoga or whatever it is. If it's just because you're experiencing something similar or um, you just want to find uh, comfort in a different, of different voice please feel free to reach out. My Instagram is care, C-A-R-E underscore plumber, P-L-U-M-M-E-R. That's a great way to connect with me. You can shoot me a DM. Um, and otherwise, uh, you know, I want to say just thank you to you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for taking interest and in wanting to tell the stories of, you know, individuals, whether you know them or not. I think that this is a really great platform to be able to share uh, that there are people that have had similar experiences or maybe um you know have have struggled with things that people aren't comfortable always talking about out loud and uh I really really appreciate you taking the time to to have the conversation and to be so inquisitive about my past and present and future.
0: Well you're you're very welcome and thank you Karen for coming on and sharing your story, okay? Yeah,
1: of course. Yeah.
0: All right, all of you who are tuning into this episode of Curious and Candid, I just want to say uh thank you so very much. If you guys would uh do, uh, uh, do me a huge favor. I'd greatly appreciate it. If you guys would uh, just give us a follow on Instagram, um, at curious and Canon podcast. And if you guys want to connect with myself, um, if you guys want more information in terms of maybe some of the guests that um, have come on and you didn't catch their Instagram or something, please just feel free uh, to shoot me a DM on Instagram. Another way that uh, you guys can connect with myself is through, uh, uh, the podcast email and that's curiousandcandid at gmail.com. Uh if you think you would be a great guest or maybe you have some guest recommendations for the podcast, I'm always looking for recommendations. I'm always looking for uh awesome people who are willing to share their story with the world uh so that those who listen would be positively impacted. You can just send me an email, uh share a little bit about uh yourself or give me the, the contact that you think might be a great guest, what what have you but like Karen said, I'm always open and willing and, and looking forward to connecting with other people. So don't hesitate to send me a DM on Instagram, send me an email, and uh, that would be great to connect with uh, any and, and, and all of you out there. And then uh, just so everybody knows uh, the podcast, we just kind of launched this podcast. So um, it's not available on iTunes and some of the other platforms quite yet, but it is on Spotify it is, it is on iHeartRadio. So if you can't find it on your favorite podcast platform, uh, you might want to just check uh, check a couple other places. Uh, but like I said, it is on Spotify. It is on Hi- iHeartRadio. It is on Podbean. So we're out there and it just takes a little time to get through all the systems in terms of iTunes and, and some of the other uh, platforms. So uh, thank you so much for everybody for tuning into this episode. And then I am going to leave you all with this. Uh, remember, live curiously. Live candidly, and we'll catch you guys later.